0: Tonight we are on Exodus chapter 20 and we have 1 through 17. That's really from the the prelude to the Ten Commandments and through the Ten Commandments. uh, Tonight we're going to come to the last five commandments. So we'll be focusing on verses 13 to 17. Um, It will be uh, as we work through this, maybe a little bit hard hitting, um, and, and we're going to do things a little bit differently. Uh, usually, I, I put almost all of the references up on the screen, besides our the the ones that we read, or for, besides our text. But I won't do that tonight. Uh, hopefully, you'll be able to uh, look some of those up in your own Bibles and 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 see um, how they relate to these. Uh, commandments. So, just just a quick review. Uh, last week we did commandments four and and five. So tonight we will read all the way through the Ten Commandments again, and then we will continue with our question, which is this: What are the Ten Commandments? And we've answered that different ways, but right now we are uh, going through and answering it. Okay, tell what are each of the commandments, and and what do they mean? Um, so. Here we go, Exodus chapter 20, uh, beginning in verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am Yahweh your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, Yahweh, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not take the name of Yahweh your God in vain, for Yahweh will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to Yahweh your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days Yahweh made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that Yahweh your God is giving you. And this begins the sixth commandment. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor. And so those are the Ten Commandments. That was the tenth one. And our question was, what are the Ten Commandments? And again, we're on Commandments 6 through 10, so we're down that far in answering the question about that. And uh, remember what the Ten Commandments are and are not. Remember, they're not a complete list of all of the things that we, that God would have us do to obey him and for our own good. They are foundational. Um, there, there is much what you would call case law written on these commandments. It's also, remember, this is a covenant document. It's it's the Constitution of Israel and the co- their covenant with with the Lord, and so also remember that they are not for any in in any practical purpose a means of salvation. Uh, no one is going to be saved um, by personally keeping these commandments. So so. Um, it's been common in the past for people, if you ask people, so so, why do you think you're going to go to heaven? They would say some, things like, well, I'm, I'm a good person. I try to be a good person. And it used to be probably more common than it is now to say, well, I, I keep the Ten Commandments. Um, so we've talked about this before, but, but somebody's tried that before, tried to use that... Um, Defense before. This is from Matthew um, chapter 19, uh, beginning in verse 16. And behold, a man came up to him, saying, So a man came up to Jesus, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. So notice Jesus' answer there. If you, he's asked, How do I get eternal life? And Jesus said, Well, if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to, the, to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, Four of the ones from tonight. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Those are uh, six, seven, eight, and nine. And then he puts gives us an earlier one. Number five, honor your father and mother. And then he adds one that's not in the Ten Commandments, but it comes from Leviticus chapter 19. You're very familiar with it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so the young man said to him, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess And give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possession. So so was Jesus here adding commandments when he said... Keep these commandments and then it's not a new commandment that when when he says um, you shall love your neighbors yourself. It's just not in the Ten Commandments. But how about this? Go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. So is Jesus adding to the commandments that, that the kid, the guy, young man, shouldn't say kid, um, is to, is to complete. Well, he's not really adding new commandments. He, he's letting us know and letting him know that, that there is more to the commandments than just the words on the page, just the, just the strict letter of the law. There's, there's something more in the commandments. So, so nowadays, instead of when, when, if we ask somebody, why do you think you're going to go to heaven, they, they still might say something like, well, I, I try to be a really good person, but probably wouldn't say, well, I keep the Ten Commandments. Um, and, and we don't really think in terms of that either. We might, we might think that way too. We might think, well, I don't keep the Ten Commandments. What I, I just worry about the, the two great commandments. I just worry about loving the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving my neighbor as myself. So I don't need to worry about, I don't need to think about any of those other commandments because uh, that, is, that is just law-keeping. Well, don't forget what Jesus says about those two commandments. All of the other ones hang on these two commandments. In other words, those commandments are still There. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He doesn't wipe out the commandments. In fact, when we, when we see what Jesus does, he doesn't make them, he doesn't make them, he doesn't lighten the load of those commandments. So as we have focused less and less on the Ten Commandments, are we better off now? Um now that we don't worry about it. is our society, is our culture better off because the culture has forgotten about the Ten Commandments? Uh, and to get a little bit more personal is the culture better off because we have? So, Jesus in, in Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to read a couple of things from Matthew chapter 5 if you want to turn there. Matthew 5, beginning in verse 19. So was Jesus making this task something that we should not, not worry about? Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called Great in the kingdom of heaven. So he didn't tell us to quit talking about and, and, and looking at the Ten Commandments or teaching the Ten Commandments. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So, right down below that, Jesus refers to the sixth commandment, the one that we're going to start with. And he says this, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So, so Jesus isn't relaxing. He just told us, don't relax the commandments. Um, but he, and it, it appears to us, it seems like he's making something more strict. But what he's actually doing is telling us what's actually involved in keeping that commandment. What is it, what is in the commandment that you shall not murder? There's there's a narrow meaning, and there's a much, much, much broader meaning to that commandment. So the sixth commandment right here, so this is the ESV, you shall not murder. Most of our English versions will say something like that. Anybody have anything that says something different from that? Probably not, unless you're unless you're looking at the King James, where it says "thou shalt not kill." Okay, so so in Hebrew, this is just this commandment is it's short in English; it's two words in Hebrew. Um, And the word that's translated murder here, uh, it's a good translation to translate it murder. Obviously, the the English translators or the um, translators that are translating the Bible into English think that that's the best translation. They're just about all in line now. But the word itself means, it can mean to murder. It can mean to slay, as in like manslaughter. Uh, It can be something that can be done purposely or unintentionally. Um, So it can be used for something like negligent homicide. So we we really need to know the context. So if it's the case, so so does it include these things? Does it include all-killing of all people? Does it include, does it forbid killing in war? Does it forbid the death penalty, which is one that people like to talk about today? Does it include killing by abortion? Um, Does it Include killing animals. Lots of questions there, uh, including uh, one of them that we can get with some context is, okay, let's try to figure out what it means from context, from the case law that Moses gives to the people. So uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, we're going to Numbers, If you want to take a look at Exodus 30 or Numbers 35, um, where these same words are used, the words for the word for murder or the word for manslaughter is used Uh, It's Numbers 35. And I'm going to read a couple of um, places here. And this helps us define what is meant and how the translation got this way, so um, numbers 35, 10, 11, 12, and 13 speak to the people of Israel and say to them when you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall select cities to be cities of refuge for you, that the manslayer, that's the word Who kills any person without intent may flee. So you get the point. Somebody that's done this thing without intent can go there. The cities shall be for you a refuge from the avenger. So the avenger is the person who is authorized to to take the life of someone who murders which is a family member of the person who was murdered. The city shall be for you a refuge from the avenger, that the manslayer may not die until he stands before the congregation for judgment. So there's a chance for him to present his case. And the cities that you shall give shall be your six cities of refuge and then it tells us what those are going where they are to be and then let's jump down to verse 15 these six cities shall be for a refuge for the people of Israel and for the stranger or for the sojourner among them that anyone who kills a person or kills any person without intent may flee there but if he struck him down with an iron object so that he died. He is a murderer. Same word, right? Same word as manslaughter earlier. The murderer shall be put to death. And if he he struck him down with a stone tool, etc. So all kinds of different ways that he might have struck him down. Okay, but the iron object is the one that I want to kind of focus on. So, if he struck him with an iron object, well, what if he struck him with the iron object accidentally? Well, Moses addresses that also. Moses addresses that in Deuteronomy 19. You can turn with it if you with me if you want. It's just the next book over, um, but it explains that it, that very question. What happens if he accidentally hits him with something iron and he dies? Chapter 19 of of Deuteronomy, verses 4 to 6. This is the provision for the manslayer, who by fleeing there may save his life. If anyone kills his neighbor unintentionally, without having hated him in the past as when someone goes into the forest with his neighbor to cut wood and his hand swings the axe to cut down a tree and the head slips from the handle and strikes his neighbor so that he dies. So there it is, accidentally, right? He may flee to one of these cities and live lest the avenger of blood in hot pursuit pursue the manslayer again same word and overtake him because the way is long and strike him fatally though the man did not deserve to die since he had not hated his neighbor in the past so that is that is the exception Right? So back to your Numbers 35, that we were just there. Um, so there's the exception for that. And then I'm going to read uh, verses 25 through 28. Because this tells us something important. And the congregation shall rescue the manslayer. So that's the one who did it accidentally. From the hand of the avenger of blood, and the congregation shall restore him to his city of refuge to which he had fled, and he shall live in it until the death of the high priest who was anointed with the holy oil. But if the manslayer shall at any time go beyond the boundaries of his city of refuge to which he had fled, and the avenger of blood finds him outside the boundaries of his city of refuge, the avenger of blood kills the manslayer. He shall not be guilty of blood. So, there, there it is. If You can flee there and you um, will not be killed. They're not going to turn you over for doing that, uh, but you need to stay in that city. Right? You need to stay in that city because if you come out, then the avenger can come and to to execute judgment on you. So, So there's part of the context of what this means. You shall not murder. So even here that was not a new commandment it's it's when the ten commandments were given this was not new it goes back to the time of Noah where God says if man sheds man's blood if you if anyone sheds man's blood by man his blood shall be shed because he's created in the image of God. That's the, that's the justification for not killing a person. The only justification for not killing a person is because they are created in the image of God. That's, that's the foundation of that. So the question then, right from that verse, is capital punishment murder? If anyone sheds the blood of man, by man his blood shall be shed. It is specifically, which is the opposite of where way, way our society thinks, that we respect life if we don't do capital punishment. It's specifically because we respect life that capital punishment is appropriate. Capital punishment is something that we um, should have along the same lines then is is killing in war included in this well murder is illegal killing against god's law god commands sometimes in the old testament the people to kill and not only that but he gives in the new testament gives governments the authority to exercise to exercise judgment, including to be um, the, those who are avengers. That's not a personal thing that we can do, but the government is able to do that. So murder is illegal killing, but it doesn't mean illegal in the sense that, that, that the United States has set this law and so it's legal or it's illegal. It's in the, it's in the eyes of God. It's in God's law whether something is murder or not. So, it basically, as John Frame puts it, and I think this, this is really helpful, It to think about all the things connected with life and death and whether something is forbidden or not. What the Sixth Commandment basically says is that life and death are God's business. So it's it's not for us to think that we can adjust that. Um, and so the question is, is abortion murder according to God's law? I think there's, there's, there's no doubt from the weight of Scripture. Um, from Psalm 139, he knows us Before we are born, before we were formed, um, our days are all numbered. The ones that do, ordained for me, for us, are all numbered. But there is also case law from the Mosaic law about this. So Deuteronomy, uh, again, abortion is never mentioned um, as we think of it in Scripture. But there is a principle here from Deuteronomy chapter 21. Deuteronomy 21, uh, beginning in verse 22. Two, that's not the right reference. <laughs> um, uh, so I will explain the reference. <laughs> I have the wrong reference. I'm sorry. So here, here's here's the case: two people are fighting, right? Two two people are fighting, and in the course of that fighting, someone strikes a woman, and the woman and one of two things happens either either the child comes out fine or and then there's a penalty for that or if the child dies then that person is liable and to be put to death life for life eye for eye tooth for tooth that's just an explanation of that uh, passage, which I apologize for not having the right reference. Exodus. 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 There you go. Ex- yeah, so we're going to come to that in, like in a couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Exodus 21. Sorry about that. So, so there are all kinds of things. We could spend all night on, on this commandment, but uh, we have four more and uh, that are implications of this. And and by the way, we're going to spend most of our time on the first two. Um, But broadly speaking, we know that Jesus says, that we we, uh, already read, that if we hate someone, we're just as guilty as if we had killed them. So why does Jesus say that? Well, it goes back to that passage that we read in Numbers. If you kill him accidentally, and part of the proof of that is you didn't hate him in the past. So Jesus is actually expounding on what's already there in Numbers. So the difference between somebody who kills somebody accidentally and who kills somebody on purpose is did you hate them? In the past even. And so Jesus says... There's the difference between a murderer and not a murderer. Do you hate somebody? So Jesus is just expounding what has already been taught in uh, Israel's history. Hate, then, is prohibited by this commandment. So the seventh commandment. You shall not commit adultery. Like in, like, like the commandment before. It's in in Hebrew, this is just two words. So, so what does it mean? Well, and, and like in, excuse me, like in um, the sixth commandment, there's a there's a narrow meaning, and then there's a broad meaning that that shows up throughout Scripture. Again, these are foundational for other things so so just in a narrow narrow meaning this means you shall not have sexual relations with another person's spouse that's what that's what adultery is and why would that be well it interferes with God's intention for marriage the two shall become one flesh etc so so Jesus addresses this in in Matthew. We were in Matthew 19 before. We're going to go back to Matthew 19. Uh, earlier in the chapter, 19 verse 3, 4, 5, 6. And the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking... Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? So it so here's the here's the question that Jesus is asking. There are two traditions here, and the, and the Pharisees are asking which of these is right. One was a much more liberal understanding of divorce. That that you that, that anything basically that you didn't like could be divor- grounds for divorce. Uh, and there's another school of thought that was, no, basically, it is for adultery right you can you can divorce for adultery so they're asking is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause and he answered you have not have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and he and said therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore, God has joined together, let man let not man separate. so so Jesus again goes beyond this simple thing. Um, as we go on a little bit farther, you'll see that where it's just this one thing, this adultery that is the cause no jesus god put these things together put these people together don't separate them so whatever means by by means you do do not separate them right except for there are some exceptions which sexual immorality jesus says a little bit later so drop down to verses 7 to 10 And they said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? And he said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, which is not the same word, right? So it's not just the word for adultery. Um, This is the word for fornication, as Randy mentioned this morning. And it can even be broader than that. It can even be broader than that. And marries another. If he does that, then he commits um, adultery. And the disciples said to him, if such is the case with um, a man and his wife, it is better not to marry. So so adultery um, violates the marriage covenant, but not just for one person, not just for two people, not just for three people, four people, at least, right, kids, grandkids, friends, coworkers. On and on. Right? And so so it's it's very serious. It violates covenants between people, but don't forget that this was also the covenant of God with Israel. It violates his covenant with his people. First uh, Corinthians six Verses 15 to 20. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? So are we going to join members of Christ's body to, in this case, a prostitute? Never, or do you not know, that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her, for as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Therefore, it doesn't say therefore here. Flee from sexual immorality. There's that broader term again. not just adultery, fornication, and many other things that, that, that can be categorized there. Um, flee from sexual, sexual immorality. Every other sin of a person a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person, Sins against his own body. And this, this is part of it. We like, to, we like to think about ourselves this way. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God. You are not your own. We belong to God. Right? So, when we violate that, We are sinning against God. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. That's the opposite of that. So, our society, by the way, worships sexual immorality, our culture worships sexual immorality. You know, and it's probably there have probably always been elements of that in society, but we are at a different level. We're not we're not the first ones in history to have things like this, but we're at a different level than than we were seventy years ago. So, starting with the sexual revolution in the '60s, so and a lot of things happened at that same time. I mean. Uh, besides the idea that 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 we should have free love uh, without commitment uh, combine that with with now we have widespread birth control easily accessible combine that with abortion uh, and you end up where we are right you end up where we are because not because we love abortion originally, we love abortion now, but because we worship sexual immorality. You could, and, and we do it under the guise of women's liberation. So if you've heard of people doing things in smoke-filled rooms, right? Behind the scenes in smoke room, rooms. If you were to put men in a smoke-filled room, and said, "They could not have come up. They not, could have not have schemed better. What has happened? Man in a room. How can we make it easier to have sex with whoever we want? Think about that. If if that could have happened, what? How could we scheme that out? Well, first of all, let's call it freedom." Let's call it liberation. Let's not just say it. Let's saturate the culture with it. Let's make every TV show glorify it. Let's let every movie glorify it. Let's make it look good. Let's make it so that's the right thing to do. Let's liberate people. And let's add to it, like recently. You should be able to love whomever you want. You couldn't have had anybody plan it out that well. So, how are we doing? How are we doing with liberating women? You think we have more freedom or less? Do we have more or less objectification of women now than we did before? Do we have more prostitution or less? Do we have more exploitation of women or less? Do we have more exploitation exploitation of girls? Or less? You think we have more things like incest or less? God in your body. Well, Jesus takes this commandment seriously. As we already saw, he says that that you know, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. Every time you look at a woman and lust after her, you're committing adultery in your heart. Jesus takes that pretty seriously, and and this is this is something we need to take seriously in our culture because Pornography. Glorifying God in our bodies or not? So it's a problem in society. It's an epidemic. It's it's a pandemic in our society, way bigger than we probably realize. It's hard for people to avoid it. So some of the estimates are that, that in churches, the of people who attend of men who attend church regularly, about 50%, are involved in pornography. That's what some of the estimates are. And it is It is devastating to people. It is not a victimless sin on many, many, many levels. The people involved in producing it, that's one level. Wives, kids, churches. So... We were bought with a price. Glorify God in our bodies. You know, the Job 31 thing, I don't know how it happened years ago, hit me way back when. I mean, it's been a long time ago. Um, but it says this, I've made a covenant with my eyes how then could I gaze at, like gaze at to understand, to figure out, to set my mind on a virgin? So, so how could you do that? If we, Job says that, says, and that's the only way. So years and years ago, um, I remember I was on the fire department, and, and to justify themselves, guys would say, you know, it's okay to look. How are we doing with that? That would have been in the early 80s. How are we doing with that in our society? Before any internet was there for us to look at. How are we doing with that attitude? You know, it's just okay to look. Job says, no, it is not okay to look. How could I look? I made a covenant with my eyes. And so it is, it's a devastating thing. Seen it ruin too many people. Doesn't look like we're going to get to the rest of the commandments. <laughs> <laughs> apologize for that but you know it's clear from these commandments you know hate look on somebody with lust all the commandments we have no business coming to Jesus and saying things like what good things should I do to inherit eternal life or to obtain eternal life we can't do we have. We would. We would have, be in no position to say, "I've kept all these things from my youth. I've kept them all." None of us can do that. There's no way that we, any of us, can do that. We we could never give the defense if somebody asks, "What would? How do you know you're going to go to heaven?" Well, I'm. I'm try to be a good person, and I keep the Ten Commandments. That's that's just not. It's not possible. It's not an option for us. And by the way, don't, he asked the question, what good thing could I do? We can't do anything, right? There, there is no way, no matter where we stand as people, if we we're 99.9% good on the Ten Commandments, there's no good in us. There is no good in us. And and the only hope for us is, is Jesus. He's the only one that has gone through, through perfect obedience, knew no sin. And he tells us that if you want to know what you need to do to do the work of God, believe in the one whom he sent. In other words, there's only one way. The only one way to do what God wants to do is for us to trust Christ because he has paid it all. We have no way to live up to the two commandments that we had tonight. Uh, forget all the, the other... But don't forget the other ones. Memorize the other ones <laughs> and what they imply. But we have no business thinking that we can justify ourselves, which is what we like to do, which is what we like to do. It's only Christ who can justify us. So let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for um, your word so long ago to the people of Israel that that is here for us um, in our situation, in our life. Um, 3,500 years later. Lord, we thank you that you are steadfast and you have steadfast love for us. You do not change and we can trust you. Lord, thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ who has paid the penalty for our sins. We pray these things in his name. Amen.